This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Wharton professors Christian Terwish and Carl Ulrich have published a follow-up to their groundbreaking book on innovation tournaments. Their new book, The Innovation Tournament Handbook, a step-by-step guide to finding exceptional solutions to any challenge, leverages more than two decades of experience organizing innovation tournaments in Silicon Valley and on Wall Street, from Buenos Aires to Kuwait City, Shanghai to Moscow, and with many Fortune 500 companies. I'm Anya Doris, contributing editor with Wharton School Press. I had a chance to sit down with the authors and find out more about innovation tournaments and why you should be thinking of running one of your own. So Christian, Carl, um, I guess the obvious question to kick off with is, what is an innovation tournament? Um, And why do you use the word tournament in the title of your book? We think of innovation basically as creating matches between solutions and needs. And the tournament is a process that basically does this consistently for many ideas that are going through a process. And there are really two parts to that innovation process. The first one is creating or identifying the ideas, the opportunities. But then the second one is the selection piece. So you have to pick the best ones to move forward. And that is very much like the world of sports where people, athletes are competing against each other to see who's gonna win the race. In in full disclosure, there's also uh, a topic in economics, econ- academic economics called tournaments, and it is it does fall into that academic domain as well. Okay, so um, we're going to get into the kind of mechanics, I guess, of what an innovation tournament consists of. But perhaps before we do that, um, could I ask, is, is there a specific audience that you have in mind for this book? Um, or is an innovation tournament something that any organization could and, and should do? Well, we we definitely wrote the book for a practitioner audience as opposed to an academic audience. And the book is really very much a how-to manual. If you, I was, I'm really surprised by how broad the audience is. I was actually spending the weekend with my 85 year old mother and uh, she said, oh yeah, you know that draft you sent over? Uh, I've actually been applying that innovation tournament method uh, to an online course that I'm developing. She's a retired history professor. And I thought, wow, if it works for history professors, it probably works for any organization. So this is really not meant to be a, a management book where you have to have you have to be the vice president of innovation to, to be the reader of the book. Uh, this is both in terms of who we are addressing it to, as well as kind of what audience we had in mind when we were writing. This is a book for everybody who wants to be innovative. That could be a high school teacher or it could be a senior executive. Okay. Um... Perhaps we could outline, um, again, before we get into the meat of the book, um, what are the kind of the clear benefits? Maybe there are one or two clear benefits um, that a firm will get from running their own innovation tournament. Um, What would you say, you know, to someone who says, well, you know, I could just invest a bit more in R&D or hire a consultant? So the value proposition is that we think of innovation as a process. And with process comes some promise of consistency, of repeating the successes. While each individual idea, these opportunities flowing through the process, they're gonna be somewhat random and unpredictable. Uh, Again, our ambition or our strong belief, having done this many times, is by implementing the tournament, the overall outcome 
is going to give you consistent uh, success. There's also a nice side effect that we found running these tournaments over the years. And that is, as we implement these tournaments, the organizations start to change, cultures start to loosen up, people get excited, get more motivated. And so it's really also a lot of, a lot of fun. I would add that we're definitely not opposed to either consultants or to spending more money. Those are two additional levers that you could use to improve innovation performance. But innovation tournaments is really a process and a method that perhaps a consultant could facilitate, but that would allow you to get more out of that R&D spending with the ultimate goal of generating more value, that is creating more value as a result of innovation. That's ultimately the payoff. So you mentioned the word process. Um, the book itself is divided into um, a succession of different sections um, or chapters. Um, you've got things like defining the challenge, you have the pitch, you've got developing opportunities and so on. Perhaps um, you could walk us or you could both walk us now through what these different stages or processes are within an innovation tournament. I mean, Broadly speaking, there are two components to an innovation tournament. There's the generation or identification of the opportunities. That's basically getting great candidates to show up. And then there's a selection process by which you try to discern which of those candidates are exceptional. And we have several steps for both. And so on the generating side, and, and actually I would say even before we get to generating a critical step is defining the challenge, figuring out what problem it is you're trying to solve. In fact, probably the most important step in, in, in innovation is not the innovation per se, but is figuring out what challenge you're, you're addressing with the innovation. So I guess in some, figure out what problem you're trying to solve, generate great opportunities, and then put in place an effective selection process that allows you to discern the exceptional opportunities. There are really two ways with which you can read the book. One is very much like a cookbook, going through these stages that Carl just articulated, uh, really from the problem definition to the idea generation to the selection, and I include here the culture transformation at the end. Uh, so you read those as you're then cooking a meal as a how-to book, but you can also use it as a reference book where if you're struggling with any one of these steps in particular in your work, uh, the, the chapters are written that you can just jump into chapter five without having read the previous chapters. So you can use the book according to your needs and dive in in different points and, and so on, according to, to, to what you need. The book reads very well. It's a very lively, very funny, very engaging narrative. Um, it's also full of examples of real life innovation tournaments um, that you've both been involved with. Perhaps you could share um, just a couple of, or one or two of the most memorable, the most amusing, the least successful innovation tournaments that you've, you've been part of? So we had the pleasure of doing this in many, many organizations as well as in our classrooms. And I think between Carl and myself, we have listened probably to over 10,000 pitches by now, but I will never forget a pitch that uh, I heard here at Penn Medicine, the healthcare system of the University of Pennsylvania. We we're doing a big tournament with thousands of employees involved about uh, transforming the patient experience. And so there was this young nurse from the oncology ward basically pitching uh, uh, an idea about improving the patient experience and to pitch went something like, uh, I'm coming to work every day and provide care to these uh, mostly young women 
of, because of the chemotherapy, lost all their body hair and they're shivering there on this artificial leather while I inject the cold chemo. And she just told such a beautiful story, uh, narrative. And she finished her pitch with, could we buy these patients a warm blanket? And we can debate whether a warm blanket has been the greatest innovation in healthcare over the last decade, but you see so much passion, so much empathy, so much enthusiasm that uh, really it's a joy to moderate these tournaments. And I, I can promise our readers, you will have similar experiences uh, getting to know the people that you work with as well as your customers when you engage them in a tournament. Two tournaments that stand out for me uh, are one in which we had a very, very narrow challenge, which was how can we re reduce the water consumption in the production of bounty paper towels? So super specific. And we spent three days with a large team of inside and outside experts focused on that very narrow challenge. And at the other extreme, I had a, a former student who's very successful hedge fund manager come to me and say, hey, Carl, can we run a tournament to figure out how to make more money? And I, initially, I, I sort of laughed at that, but we actually did run a tournament for new trading strategies for his hedge fund, uh, which had the unfortunate benefit that uh, he couldn't tell me the answer. He said, Carl, you know, once we're in this tournament, that's going to be a proprietary secret. I'm not going to be able to tell you uh, what the result was. But th that gives you a sense of the extremes, super focused challenges, highly directed to extremely broad challenges, like how do we improve performance? How do we make more money? So again, this is a, an approach that can be adapted for all sorts of different contexts, all kinds of different objectives. One of your chapters is called um, Creating a Better Pool of Opportunities. What's, what's this chapter about? What do you mean by a better pool of opportunities? So if you ask yourself, what would you like to see in a pool, in a portfolio, in a set of ideas? We think there are three things that really matter. Uh, a, you want many ideas, because the chances are that if you have more ideas, you're going to have one blockbuster in it. Uh, second, we talk about ways of improving the ideas, improving the average quality of the ideas, things that you can do to become better at ideation. But the thing that has always amazed us the most is the third one, which is having a more diverse, higher variance uh, set of ideas. And typically, Carl and I have backgrounds in operations management. And in most of business and processes, we hate variance. We want things to be consistent. But in innovation, it turns out that variance is your friend. And so we talk about ways with which you can increase the variance of the performance of the ideas, meaning you get some ideas that are going to be worse. But since you don't only you only want to execute the ideas that are the most promising in your portfolio, your best ideas are going to get better. One of the really interesting things about tournaments is you don't care very much about averages. So, for example, if you are the National Institute of Health and you're looking at at health proposals, proposals for improving healthcare, and you get a hundred okay ideas. Compare that to getting 99 bad ideas and one cure for pancreatic cancer. You would, you would much prefer that second uh, pool of ideas. And so we, as managers, we have to get over this idea that we're looking for average quality. We're not. We're looking for exceptional ideas for real outliers. And that requires some changes in the way we think about the pool of opportunities. We want to embrace variants, including the good and the bad, in the hopes of really finding something exceptional. 
Chapter nine of the book um, is called uh, The Culture, or A Culture of, of Opportunities. Again, this is a very intriguing title. What, what do you mean by culture of, of opportunities? And, and are there any um, real world examples that you could share that illustrate this idea? Well, what is culture? Culture is the norms and behaviors that apply when there aren't rules. When you don't have strict processes and rules, what are the norms that guide behavior in an organization? And culture is notoriously difficult to move or to nudge in, in an organization, but it's super important because you can't have rules and processes for everything. And you wanna rely on people to know what to do when there aren't rules and processes. So culture of innovation, if you think about how to create a culture of innovation, most organizations just use words. They give speeches, they have slogans, they say we need to embrace diversity, we need to celebrate failure. And beyond that, they, they often feel frustrated as to how do we actually move the culture. And our belief is that the best lever for moving culture is actually process and structure. And that innovation tournaments themselves are both a visible sign of commitment on the part of senior management, which is really important in moving culture, but also allow people to participate, to know what to do in order to be more innovative. Yeah, scholars of organizational culture, organizational theory distinguish between two types of cultures. There's a tight cultures and think about kind of German people like me, uh, they like things in order, they come on time. And then there's the kind of the crazy American type of culture, Israeli culture, where people are much more improvising, uh, rule-breaking type of people. And many people have argued that when it comes to innovation, and going back to my earlier point on the importance of variance, it's kind of easy to believe that uh, it's the loose culture that is the right culture for innovation. But we argue that that is a little bit short-sighted because many great companies uh, are innovating very successfully based on processes, right? And so I think in the book, we find a nice balance between tight and loose process and improvisation. And that finding that balance is what in our view is important to enable an innovation culture. Your book ends, um, you conclude by pulling everything together with what you call um, four pillars for future success. Um, what are these four pillars and how do they work? So let, I shared a, a, a tournament example early on that went really well. So let me share a tournament that went really poorly. I and mean, that's the joy of writing the book. We were kind of reliving our memories. And I had a tournament about a decade ago uh, in the early 2000s in, in Moscow, very different kind of political conditions that are compared to today. Big energy company. And so we were looking for growth opportunity in the energy market. And uh, so I, I, this was translated by, since I don't speak Russian, this was translated by a very capable translator. And I was watching this pitch, this 40 year old man stands to a poster. And on the poster was an office building with a logo of the energy company, of that oil company, was a windmill next to it. And I thought, great, we are talking about renewable energy and going to talk about disruption and green. And then he basically pitched the following idea. He said, I, uh, my suggestion is that we open the doors out of our corporate headquarter building and all the hot air that is produced in that building that will flow out and it will power a windmill and that windmill will have enough energy to 
fuel the whole country. And that's the type of situation where we can't prepare you for that even with this book. Uh, but back to your question now, uh, what are the pillars? So we believe that there are a couple of things that have to be in place for an innovation tournament to succeed. You need the leadership there, the commitment, as for the tournament that I mentioned in Moscow, none of the management team that was sponsoring the tournament showed up. It was just myself with 30 more or less motivated uh, participants. Uh, resources have to be in place. Uh, there needs to be an understanding and conviction of everybody like, why are we doing this, right? Why are we innovating? What's, what's the burning platform, if you wish? And there needs to be structures and incentives in place. And so when those things come together, we see the best innovation tournaments happen. I guess the final question for you both would be, um, We've talked a lot about your book and you've talked about the processes involved, you've talked about the benefits um, and you've given, you've shared some really arresting and, um, and very amusing uh, examples of what innovation tournaments can look like. Um, what would you hope or what would your hope be that your reader uh, takes away from innovation tournaments from, from your book? Our vision and our aspiration is that a reader would, would get the vision and would say, hey, I, I wanna realize that outcome. That's a great outcome. I've read all these examples. I want my organization to have that outcome. And then would be able to actually use the book to do it. And we have quipped that we wanna put ourselves out of business as consultants. We really want someone to be able to read this book and say, hey, I can now try this tomorrow. And so that's our hope and our aspiration. It's really about codifying that process of innovation. And I think a lot of people are intimidated. They are they're shying away from running an innovation tournament. They reach out to consultants because they feel like, wow, it's just so hard. And I think it is actually not hard. And I hope that by writing the book, we can make the tool accessible to more readers, more people doing this. And as an outcome, get more people innovate and um, turn this place into a better world. The Innovation Tournament Handbook, a step-by-step -step guide to finding exceptional solutions to any challenge, is available for purchase at the Wharton School Press bookstore and wherever books are sold online. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.